You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, thanks for the time. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk Long Beach first off. First memories of Long Beach and why you love this place. Grew up two hours south of here. And, you know, as a young racer, um, IndyCar was it out here. Like growing up on the West Coast. I mean, we knew of NASCAR. And I think late to mid 80s was the last race in California. It was pretty far away, pretty distant. Um, IndyCar was the jam. And what we all wanted to do as young racers here in California. And who was the guy you chased or watched that you wanted to see when you came as a kid? Yeah, so my pathway, you know, motocross to off-road quickly uh, steered me towards the Mears gang, uh, Robbie Gordon, you know, people that uh, grew up racing on the dirt in the same community that I was growing up in and, and made it to IndyCar. So we went to El Cajon. I did the grand tour. You survived? Of gym where you grew up. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. We enjoyed it. Good. What was it like growing up there? I think a lot of people have this perception you grew up in the big fancy this is a working class neighborhood. You were a, your family's a working class. For sure. I mean, my dad was a heavy equipment operator. Mom was a school bus driver. Um, where I grew up in El Cajon was really kind of at the edge of um, development at that point in time. And I had endless trails and tracks to ride my dirt bike on. And you did a lot of that. That's where you grew up. Is that where it all started? Yeah, that's where it all started. My grandparents had a motorcycle store in El Cajon. Uh, my dad kind of worked in that store and ran the service department that led to our local track and my parents volunteering their time at the track and myself and my brothers would end up racing there and then just one little tidbit about El Cajon you know if you go back and really look into the history of motocross racing um, that's where a lot of the early champions came from um, 70s 80s 90s you know now it's a little further north um, and moved you know the whole industry moved a little further north but it all started in El Cajon and as a kid growing up I could literally ride from my house and go watch Brock Glover ride on his practice track. Ron Lachine, Rick Johnson, and the list goes on and on. So I just grew up in that environment, and all of my heroes as a kid were on two wheels racing their bikes. Were your parents, did they push you? Did they encourage you? What kind of parenting did you have? No, they, they didn't push at all. And I can vividly remember parents that, that were the pushers. Um, I had this 
desire and self-discipline to just ride any moto that I could and race all around the country and worked hard to be nationally ranked. My younger brother, the middle brother, um, there were days where he didn't want to find his bike and go to the starting gate. And we would literally find him in the creek building mud pies, wearing his motocross gear. <laughs> like, hey, your, your race is on track. <laughs> ah, okay. So uh, my, my parents did a great job of just trying to meet our, our desires or demands, if you will. And then you were at Granite Hills High School, home of the Eagles. Home this of the guy, Eagles. guy's in the Hall of Fame. But for water polo and diving, right? Well, who we'll, knew? We'll be honest. Um, it was not due to my success on the swim team or water polo team. <laughs> it was due to the racing and, and being a, an eagle. Uh, but what a what a cool opportunity I had years ago to go back, walk through you know walk through the school. There were still some teachers uh, still there from my time, and uh, our foundation has supported the school and to be hanging on their hall of fame wall is, is pretty cool. And then of course when you're in El Cajon, you got to stop at Poncho's. Las Ponchos. I, I did the Jimmy Johnson. Burrito, and I'm still recovering from that. You're a brave man. I am. Uh, I'm proud of you for making the effort. <laughs> it's a hall of fame. There was that your place? Just your spot as a kid you'd go to, or you just remember that, or what? Yeah, I mean, I grew up uh, literally just a few miles from there, and that boulevard was really the road for all of us high school kids when we had our driver's license. Um, even back to like riding our bicycles or skateboards to town to go get something. That was that was the area. That was the spot. And Los Ponchos was a uh, was a popular spot for all of us. And when you get off the highway, you got the Jimmy Johnson sign. How does that make you feel going back? It's great. Um, I haven't been back in years, sadly. But uh, you know, my childhood and the area I grew up in and my friends from there hold such a special spot in my heart. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm so proud when I hear driver intros. You know, El Cajon, California, because <laughs> no one. Especially in the NASCAR world, no one would have ever thought that a guy from El Cajon would end up in NASCAR. Okay, you win seven NASCAR titles, four Brickyards. Why not just retire, be a broadcaster, and sign autographs and do business? Why did you decide to jump into IndyCar? I've kind of, I did not have this plan. Um, I drove a Formula One car in 2018. Fernando Alonso and I swapped cars, and it was my first time in an open-wheel car. And I thought, man, this is this is something. And then, you know, kind of worked on developing a test session. COVID happens, got a little wonky. And, and then eventually Chip said, hey, come, just come drive the car. See what you think. Come drive a car. And after I drove that car, I, I was like, man, I got I got to do this. And you know, no one was more surprised than my wife because we've certainly had a vision of where life was heading. And then I got this bug to drive indie cars. And it, you know, it was my original dream and things just started to pick up speed. I was able to find uh, Carvana and they've been a, a wonderful partner and sponsor on the race team and really want to document this journey that I'm taking. So um, it just kind of fell in my lap, if you will. Conversations with your wife, was that intense? Was she like, come on, let's not do this? Did, you, did it take a while to convince her this is going to be okay? Especially doing the Indy 500. Yeah, I, I think, you know, she she is so supportive and she has just checked in with me on, you know, my, my, my desire to do so. Like what, what is behind it? Is it something you're really passionate about and want to do? Or, you know, is it just, you know, something that's more lighthearted? And as she knew how, how badly I wanted to do it, um, she's like, yeah, let's go. We're in. Now the 500, I had to work a little different angle and that was more <laughs> the safety angle. But uh, with the reduced schedule, it's been a, a really nice work-life balance. What are your expectations for May? What is success in your mind in May? After Texas, my 
expectations have changed. I mean, I have felt in my heart of hearts that I can run in the top 10 on an oval, um, finished sixth at Texas, and, and I really feel like I could have finished higher up uh, if we didn't have some issues with telemetry at the end of the race. Um, so I, I hope to build on that experience from Texas with all the track time that we have leading into the 500. And I hope to find my groove before race day and, and literally from the start of the race, you know, be on par and, and be in that competitive battle up front. Strategy and the race unfolded in so many different ways, but so it's hard to say, you know, where I want to finish, but I, I want to be in the race. I want to be up there racing for that win. It'll be fun to watch you do this, to jump, jump into this, um, winning the Brickyard so many times. Is there anything that translates to what you're going to experience this time around? Yes, there is. And at Texas, I realized you know, late in the race, my knowledge of the track, my comfort of the track, lines, setting up passes, that did start to finally come in. But the cars are so different. The technology is so different that I, I spent the first half or two-thirds of the race just adapting. Uh, but at some point, once I got kind of connected to the car and what cars do, then my NASCAR experience showed up. What would it mean to win the 500? I can't even think that big. <laughs> it would be out of this world. Out of this world. First time you went to the 500 was when? Last year. That was your first time first to be time, there. First time, yeah. You watched it as a kid, though, in California, here in California. Absolutely. Watched it uh, all the time. Watched it with my grandfather. Watched it with my, my father and my brothers. Um, always wanted to be in it. And, you know, my path steered me to NASCAR and very thankful that it did. And um, I, I just can't believe I'm, I'm finally doing it. Who, who gave you the best advice about Indianapolis? Who, is there one guy? Is it Mears or Ganassi? Does somebody you go to and you want to say, hey, I got a question about this? I've heard from Mears, from Chip, from Dario, from Scott Dixon, um, and just knowing where that right retire is. Um, my experience in a NASCAR vehicle, you know, we would want a lot more oversteer in the car and, and a, a lot more kind of the rear rotating and coming through. That leads to a successful NASCAR race. You can't have that in any car. And that's really been the concern our group has had taking me to Texas and introducing me to NASCAR. I'm sorry, introducing me to IndyCar. Dario went the other direction and he was so surprised how much oversteer the car needed to have, how how much you slid the rear tires through a corner to produce lap time. So, you know, it's funny now that I'm going the other way and trying to be measured in, in just how the car balance feels. So uh, it's top of mind for me. And I just, you know, I don't want to make a silly mistake trying to slide a car through the turn. That's fascinating. Yeah. That really is. I hadn't thought about that. That's fascinating. Are you ready for the circus that's going to be surrounding you? I know you've been there, done that, but this, this will be interesting in May, won't it? It will be. And, you know, I've been a part of, of circus situations in the past with my career. And um, I feel like maybe looking back, I didn't enjoy them as much as I could have. Um, it's tough when you're trying to be a competitor and trying to stay sharp and on your game and, and just solely focus on performance. Uh, so I at least hope that with the circus of the Indy 500, that I'll, I'll let a lot more in and, and truly enjoy the experience. Well, you seem real relaxed about it. Yeah, you I'm feel excited. that way? I do. I think my performance at Texas helps me at least right now, be comfortable and calm and, and really looking forward to the month of May. Is what, when you're not racing, what do you like to do? Is there something that occupies your time? You're a big family man. Yeah, from a, a hobby standpoint, love to ski, love to cycle, mountain bike, um, love being outdoors. 
my family uh, loves doing all those things as well. So it's been really fun to, um, you know, watch my kids grow on skis and hiking, cycling, whatever it might be. Uh, but one thing that the Johnson family is spending a lot of time doing now is attending horse shows. My yeah. two daughters are big into the equestrian scene and, uh, and riding a lot. So there's horsepower somewhere in our family at all times. <laughs> I love it. Hey, thanks for the time, yeah, man. Appreciate absolutely. it, champ. Yeah. Thank you. It was awesome.